Hey everyone, Ron Garen here. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Orbital Perspective podcast. What started out as a discussion around sheltering in place almost a year ago has turned into a discussion platform centered around making our world and our future better for everyone. Let's keep that discussion going. I also wanted to let you know that my next book, Floating in Darkness, A Journey of Evolution, launches on May 4th of this year. It's the sequel to my first book, The Orbital Perspective, and goes much deeper into solving the challenges that our world faces and how we can come together as one to create solutions. It's part autobiography, part action movie, part love story, with a message of unity that I would like to share with the world. For my loyal podcast listeners, I'm offering a 25% discount off the retail price. To get the savings, simply go to floatingindarkness.com forward slash order and enter the code PODCAST to save 25%. It's good for the next 48 hours, and it's my way of saying thanks for joining me on this incredible journey towards a better future. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Orbital Perspective Podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is that they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Orbital Perspective podcast. I hope this episode finds everybody safe and healthy 
and um, managing all the challenges that we have in front of us. And, you know, over the last few weeks, um, there's been a common theme. Uh, and the common theme is that in order for us to be able to solve the problems and challenges facing us, uh, we need to find ways to have a greater level of unity. Uh, and so like a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Jill Ellis, the coach of the um, U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Um, and one of the topics that we discussed is how sports is a can be a unifying force. Uh, and today, my guest uh, is also a great unifier. Uh, and uh, her, her primary tool for, for that uh, nudging towards unity is music. Uh, music is also uh, another path to unity. It's whenever we have things that we all share in common as humans, uh, it reminds us of our shared humanity. And it reminds us that we have so much more in common than what we perceive as our differences. And the other, the other really interesting thing about Daria Musk, uh, my guest, and we, and we might have a, a surprise uh, special guest too with her, um, but the other really um, relevant, important thing is that she's an expert in uh, ways to stay connected and have deep, meaningful relationships without ever having to be in the same room. Uh, and we'll talk about that as well. And so with that, I wanna introduce Daria Musk. Daria Musk's story is the story of a singer whose voice launched a thousand lines of code. After a nearly overnight success through her first-of-a-kind live, interactive, online concerts and events, Daria sings and speaks for millions around the world at TED, the Grammys, YouTube, and through her interactive live streams. Daria works with some of the biggest brands in the world, Google, Taylor Guitars, MTV, Verizon, IBM, and more, creating films, sponsored content campaigns, and inspiring products. Daria has also founded Unlabeled Studio to share her unique style of content creation, engagement, trend forecasting, and storytelling with brands that she loves and to empower artistpreneurs like her everywhere. Daria is proof that everything is changing in our hyper-interconnected world. Hello there. Hi. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Oh, we're so great. This is Ram, my producer. He's uh, with a special yeah, guest. Doing? Special guest. We're so happy to be here with you, our friend, Ron. We love you so much, man. It's such an honor to be here um, in a pantheon of such remarkable guests. And we're just, we're, we're blessed. We're so happy to be able to spend some time with you. Well, it's great to see you guys. Love you guys too. And uh, I'm really, I've been excited about this episode for a while because uh, I know that it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I see that you have some musical instruments there. So that, we do. We have. Be, uh, <laughs> oh, we should we have like not have them? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna treat everybody to some um, really cool songs. Um, and some of these, some of these, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least one of them has. Have, have you played it live? at all or um maybe just on a couple of little um little performances like this during quarantine it's one of our first songs that we that we've written during the sort of lockdown time that we're in right now there's a ton of music that we've created in this this interesting little cocoon of a bubble um a creative bubble that i think we're all experiencing um i really 
have a prediction that there's going to be a massive artistic renaissance um, as we start to lift out of this time period that we've been in um, that's provided so much reflection and inspiration. It's very high flame inspiration, but um, yeah. So one of the songs is something that was inspired directly by you, which you know, a song that we wrote for you and inspired by our dear friend Ron. And then uh, another one is a brand new, a brand new song. Awesome. Out of this time. Yeah. So let's let's talk about how we all met because I think that mm -hmm. is an applicable story to being able to um, have meaningful uh, friendships and relationships without ever having to be uh, physically co-located, right? Yeah. So um, share share that story. <laughs> yeah, I think I think our story really really exemplifies that because we became friends when you were off world. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about not being able to be in the same location. Um, but yeah, so a few years ago, um, we sort of became the first people to play live shows through these kinds of video chats. So you're seeing lots of people doing it now. Um, we were very excited to be among the first group of weirdos to do that when there was no reason to, <laughs> except that um, I had been out, you know, with this guy playing coffee shops and clubs and, you know, he was sneaking me in because I wasn't even old enough to get into them. <laughs> we were trying to figure out how to get this music thing out to people. And um, I got wind of a new social network. It was Google Plus um, and Google Hangouts. And we were in this very room and played a show for the first time. Uh, I had no idea if anyone was going to be there. And then the little windows, there were 10 windows, um, filled up with people from around the world. And all of a sudden there were, there was someone from India and there was someone from Buenos Aires and there was someone in Norway. And I, I always love telling this part of the story. The guy in Norway turned his laptop to his window to show us the sun rising in Norway as we sang a song for him. And so we had this global audience all of a sudden and it to us it was nine people and that seemed awesome and uh then we heard that there was a line around the block forming in the comments and it was going viral and people were sharing it um and so we ended up playing for six and a half hours straight that night in order to see everybody and get to play a song for everybody um and that kind of kicked off this crazy wonderful ride of well, playing it also, for people. it also introduced daria to the um to the uh first, what, what do you call them? The early adopters. Early adopters. Yeah. And they, they actually just helped her learn all about the internet that she'd fallen into. Yeah. Uh, and so they were, they helped us stream concerts later on for different into YouTube and these other things. It, it, nothing was set up to do that before. It's true. Those early fans became our, our live producers, um, figuring yeah. out how to put it through YouTube live and other stuff and just expanding the audience exponentially. Um, and Somehow through all of that, you were getting very popular online at the same time. And people were saying that we should do a show together. <laughs> and I know that there we are. Yeah, I mean, here we are. Here we are. I know. And we've hung out in person so many times. And I think we both learned through this experience that you, you don't have to be in the same room with someone else to truly deeply connect with them. There's something about the eye contact and the sense of intimacy of connecting with someone who's in their own space, they feel safe and you feel safe. And suddenly you kind of cut through all of the regular awkwardness or pleasantries that you would. And you find yourself talking about real stuff and deep stuff and connecting with people in a real way. And we were always surprised because we, we uh, Google had us sort of tour around the world for them uh, doing our stuff. And we would meet all these people we met online. And it was really incredible that you felt... The only thing that was funny was depending on how somebody sits at their computer, 
you can't really tell the size. So some people who we thought were small were huge. Some people, you know, the opposite. That's so, true. But, One of our best friends that we met through the concerts ended up being like almost seven feet tall. Right. So uh, yeah, I come up to his elbow. But, <laughs> but it was a beautiful experience yeah. of seeing how how this kind of thing can connect us. And it's been really surreal to watch everyone now coming into this world that we've been in for a while and discover discover it right when they needed it, which is beautiful. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna remind everybody, join the conversation, send us your comments and your, and your questions. Here's one from Andrew Antonio. Daria Musk is the best. You're the best. <laughs> We miss you, Andrew. Oh, it's so good to see you. Thanks. Um, so thanks there's, there's, so much. There's a lot more to that story, and and there's so much that I wrote. I wrote about that story in uh, my book, The Orbital Perspective. So maybe maybe later I'll I'll, I'll read about a little yes, bit. Please. But I, tell us tell us about this song that you have, and maybe 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 now would be a good time to kick things sure. off. And, uh, and, if you guys are up for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for if you want to do a little excerpt from your book, because that was one of the coolest honors ever. I mean, I already am very, very guilty of humble bragging that I know an astronaut and that he's my friend. Um, but to end up in your book was a whole other level. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, so we have a song called Lift, and it's directly inspired by your story that you told us about. Um we, when we first started hanging out online and then in person, we, I, we had so many wonderful nights, right? Going out to dinner and just listening to your stories. And I remember very distinctly you describing the experience of lifting off and the incredible weight of the, the force, the G-force, like pulling you back into your chair and the intensity of the rumbling and the, just the, the sort of violence of it, of lifting off. And then breaking through that into weightlessness. And at the time when you ex described that to me, the first thing that I thought was <laughs> might have been a little self-important, but I thought that's what I've been feeling myself is when you're trying to go after something that feels strange and improbable and not the, the path that everybody expects, um, there is such tremendous pressure. There's such weight kind of pull, trying to pull you back into this other safer, I love, by the way, that in your intro, you acknowledge that the safe roads are not necessarily the safe way anymore. We can talk about that. But um, at the time, you know, I mean, my parents are awesome, but even their friends were like, what are you letting her go around playing these shows? And what is this internet thing? And um, so the, the pressure and the weight of that holding you back. And then when something finally works out and you feel this sense for the first time, the sense of lightlessness of this might work. <laughs> and so, um, so that's what this song is about. And, uh, and, what, and, what's it, and what's it called? It's called Lift. All right. I say with my reverbed voice now. <laughs> I'm just going to pull them back a little. Okay, Ram, you ready? Yep. All right. Lift me up, lift me up, lift me up again. Used to be a struggle, now I'm weightless, weightless. But I'm now in the sky, and I'm just a speck. Lost in anonymity and starlight sunset. Through the weight of the world on your chest, I'll leave her down in your ass. Bonfires burning on the TV. And when 
I, li I literally have goosebumps. <laughs> I have space goosebumps. Space bumps. <laughs> I saw you pulled up a comment, but I, I closed my eyes because I was like, I'm going to mess up. Wow, space wow, space music. Space music. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I love it. Space music. Yeah. You, have, you actually have a, a bunch of space music. I do. I do. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I got out of high school, I fell in love with science and started reading An Elegant Universe and Brief History of Time and started to see all of these connections between music and space, you know? And I know we've, we've talked about this. They're both so vast, 
and so kind of impossible to wrap your brain around and seem to have invisible rules that humans have tried to figure out in order to interface with it. And then they both seem to have a sense of just needing to surrender in order to just exist inside it. And it's, they're both so humbling. I mean, you could speak to this much better than we can. I mean, do you, do you see a connection in those two things? I know uh, maybe we can share with people what your book that's coming up and you, you made some cool metaphors between notes and, and sort of the big bang and it, it tied directly into some stuff that I feel like we have lyrics about. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on those two things together. I, I think music is is really something that's universal, right? And it doesn't just touch on science, it touches on everything, right? And just to, I, I think I've told you guys this story, but I'll, I'll share it with everybody else, is I remember on my first uh, mission to the space station, and, you know, you, you have to, first of all, it's my first time in space, so everything was, was brand new, everything was somewhat overwhelming, um, and you're really, really busy. And so I remember I was working somewhere on the space station, and... All and I and you're I was in this constant state of tension, like everything, mm. like, because everything is artificial and it's it's you're you're in an environment you've never been in before, and um, there's so much you have to do and you have to get it right, and there's so much you know there's so much pressure to to not make a mistake, and there's all this stuff going on. So I was I, I was subconsciously I didn't realize this, but I was really I had I was carrying all this tension in my body, right. Mm. And then I remember I was working on something and all of a sudden I just felt relaxed and I felt all this tension just kind of evaporate. Mm. And I noticed that music was playing. I, I didn't even notice it consciously. I just, in, this, in my subconscious, there, there was music playing and, and somebody had set up, set up a laptop and put up some speakers and just decided to play some music over speakers so that it's not just on a headset. Right. Yeah. And, and it dawned on me that, music was a connection back to the natural. It was a connection back to home, right? It, you know, music, when you go into the space station, it's a very artificial and sterile environment, right? There's no, the only sounds you hear are mechanical and artificial. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there is no breeze on your face. There's no sound of the birds. There's no, there's, there's nothing that we take for granted here on earth that defines uh, the natural world. Right. And, um, Music, I think, is a tie back to the natural. It's it's a, it's a tie back to what unifies us and, and to what makes us human, right? Yeah. And so I think when you were playing, when you guys were playing the song, and I was getting goosebumps, the goosebumps were being caused by the fact that you guys were tapping into that into that unifying force and <laughs> into into that common thread uh, that we all have. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, this guy should talk about, Ram should talk about, uh, about the, the sort of the muse and stuff too, because he's the most connected composer and creator that, that I know about. But I know that for me as a singer, that that's, that is the way I connect with, with the universe. And then to be able to connect with others through it is, is the greatest gift. Um, but even if there was no internet and there was no other people anywhere in the universe, that's, that's how I feel myself resonate. We were actually talking about echolocation before we went live. Like that's how I know I exist yeah, <laughs> is, is by singing and yeah. something about that vibration. It's, it's funny, like, um, you know, music 
seems to cut right to the heart, seems to go right through us and right to our center. And I remember once I was getting all nerdy about science and I was like, wait, like a sonogram, like that's scientific proof that sound can go right through you and, and get right, right inside and right. <laughs> if we're all, if we're all vibrating string, you know, then maybe music is just, it feels right. Cause that's what we are, you know? Um, yeah. 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 I think the thing that's fascinating to me is that, you know, for you, somebody who's been to outer space, um, being a, a musician, you spend most of your time in discovering inner space. And the trick there, I think, and it's interesting now that we're in quarantine where people have an opportunity to ask new questions about really what the purpose of life is and what's valuable to you. Mm -hmm. But as a musician, what I noticed over the years was that I, so much of the muse was blocked to me because of my ego. Mm -hmm. In other words, what can music give me? What can yeah. I get from music? And I had to find out a way of turning that off and really listening in a kind of very vulnerable way to what it wanted to do, what music wanted to say. And what I noticed was that it's a perpetual teacher. It's always there and it will respond to the level of your skill that you've developed. So early on when I didn't have much skill, there wasn't really much offered <laughs> because it, <laughs> it knew that I couldn't handle it. The more that I developed my skill, the more opportunities came and the more it was sort of like a great teacher saying, oh, now you've moved to this level, you can have this experience because you can handle it. And I think that's really what people can do now in quarantine with their families and their relationships is recognize that the outer world that we're seeking to find stuff from, like money, material things, may not really be the point. The point might be who you're with and what you can develop with that relationship and really discover what I was talking to you about, and I think you had it in your thing, which blew my mind, was to start to really understand that there's exploration in love that we've never as a planet really explored. Yeah. You know, just as we haven't really explored peace, right? I mean, there was there was a Peace Corps when I was growing up, but we really should, that should be, the military should be a Peace Corps <laughs> where it's just peace. That's what you do. And you succeed yeah. when you make peaceful things, not succeeding when you fight a war, but... You know, yeah. anyway, so that's that's sort of what the muse teaches you when you're, you're listening to it, that there's so much harmony in the world. There's so much balance and there's really no judgment like yeah. dissonance and harmony are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you've you've felt some of that same stuff. I mean, were you, you know, just absolutely. I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but I'm sure people would love to hear about that sense of being immersed in, in that vastness in that unknown beauty and the expansion that you must have felt, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, just going back to, I think Ram pretty much hit the nail on the head with, <laughs> you know, you know, we get, we need to get out of our own way. Right. And we, and this applies to every creative endeavor. Uh, yeah. And you brought up, you know, relationships are, are a creative endeavor as well. You know, it's yeah. all art. Um, so before I get into that, cause I do want to talk about that. I want to, pop up a couple of things here. So here's, here's an artist. There's my, one of my favorite artists. Hi, Linda. She's my mom. So. <laughs> She's a great artist. Oh, um, amazing. Hi. Uh, and I, I do. Oh, we have a, we, hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. Hi, Susanna. Hi. I do, I do want to address Keith's question on, on uh, Taylor guitars um, in a second. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but just just to, to, to not leave this point, I, I think what, I, Ram, what you are hitting, what you're what you're pointing towards, 
is the infinite power of of on wonder um, and, and what an incredible motivator that is of of just immersing ourselves in on wonder we are surrounded constantly by on wonder that we learn uh we're taught to take take for granted right yeah. and when i was thrust into a completely new environment that uh i had no training on how to suppress that and, <laughs> and, to, and to ignore that ignore that on wonder um you know there were some fundamental things that i think um were, became clear to me um mm. through that and i think um going back to what ram said you know if we get out of our own way and we allow this on wonder to unfold before us and to, and and to participate in it uh mm. and uh, you know not not fight it not try and see what we can get out of it but how do we how do we join in the in the in the chorus how do we join in the symphony that's being played you know yeah. not trying to bang our own you know, bongs or, or make our own, you know, dissonant noises. Uh, but how do we align with, with uh, what's already happening? I think where we see all the problems is when we try, we get out of alignment with that. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this, you know, probably every week in that there's, there's two really, really strong sources, sources of motivation. Uh, one is on wonder, which I think motivates long-term action. It, it, mm. it motivates action that lasts a sustainable, uh, progress, sustainable, uh, you know, advancement. Uh, and then there's fear and fear is a very, very strong motivator too, but it's a motivator of short-term action and short-term results and That's you know, cool. un unsustainable, unsustainable, um, uh, progress. It, it could lead to progress, but it's unsustainable progress. Um, and it's not going to last. And so I think what you're doing, with all the other, yeah, <laughs> That's very reassuring, you know, because I, I love the way you framed that. I think yeah, that's that's a perfect explanation and a, and a very reassuring thought that that does wear off, that it doesn't it can't win. It doesn't last forever. Um, that's really useful. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll pop this up there. This is from uh, this is from someone who himself is, is, a, is a great guitar player. Uh, oh, that's amazing. And uh, he wants to know why. Taylor doesn't make dreadnought guitars anymore. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, we're we're Taylor super fans, but I, I'm not privy to the inner workings of of Andy Powers' brain. I don't know. I personally uh, uh, play cutaways only and always because I have tiny hands and I like playing up on they, much higher frets than I have any reason to. I think they do have dreadnoughts, don't they? I think they do. I, yeah, I think I they, they. I think they do. The Pacific is a dreadnought, isn't it? I think the Grand Pacific is a dreadnought. You should check yeah. that out. Yeah. All right. Here, here's another Keith Heitner question. We're talking, <laughs> we're space. We're talking about since we're talking about space music. Pink Floyd or Grateful Dead? <laughs> Pink Floyd, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, for space music. Grateful Dead, you need some assistance. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I go Pink Floyd. Or I would pick. I mean, I would probably pick like Bowie, or you know, like instead of. I think I would go in a different direction, or um, or classical or something. Oh, yeah. Holtz the plan. Yeah, I was Actually, thinking of Holtz. Yeah. It's really pretty amazing. All right. <laughs> you want to do a little story time? Sure. Please, yes. yes. All right. I'm going to I'm going to do this right away. This is my uh my first book The Oral Perspective and I want to read it cuz Daria and Ram are in it. Um so I just want to read a couple of excerpts cuz I think it, it speaks to what we're what we're talking about right now in a lot of it. So it says um in, in March of 2012, I met Daria Musk and her music partner, Ram Rich, for the first time. However, when I finally met them in person, we were already close friends because the three of us had become acquainted on Google+. As Daria put it, 
it turns that first handshake into a hug. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, it's talking about how at, at the time Daria was feeling frustrated with the way her career was shaping up. On a whim, she decided to use the video hangout feature on Google Plus and open it up to the public. If anyone showed up, she'd play for them. The hangout could accommodate up to 10 people, she said. And because I'd been playing empty clubs, 10 people sounded pretty good to me. 10 people sounded like a show. I didn't expect it to be anything. I just expected it to be another empty room. But in that moment, when it happened, I inadvertently found myself standing on a global stage. I was singing to people on different continents. And after that first song, I had this global applause. Suddenly, she was singing for a man from Buenos Aires, a woman from Texas, a man and his two daughters from Australia. It was already Sunday morning in Australia, and it was Saturday night where I was. A man from Norway stayed for the entire six-hour concert, and Daria watched the sunrise in Norway through his window. At that moment, Daria's career made an abrupt course correction, and she took a global following in the millions along with her. The experience has led Daria to some interesting observations about the possibility of building real relationships online. In some ways, she actually connected better with her globally distributed online audience than with New York City audiences and dark bars and nightclubs. She was able to see people's faces as they reacted to her songs, and she was able to connect personally with her listeners. In the process, Daria formed many deep friendships within her, her online community. And, th and then it goes on to talk about how, you know, Google flew you out to, to Mountain View and you helped them design the, the Google uh, Hangouts on Air. Yeah. Um, and let me just skip ahead. Daria's experience is no longer unique, and she believes that this trend has great possibility for addressing the world's problems. If you don't have millions of dollars at your disposal to bring people together, or if there's a pandemic, yeah. um, <laughs> you could at least start with making sure that everybody's invited to the conversation, that everybody can be a part of it from wherever they are in the comfort of their own world. Yeah. If we want to survive, we all have to work together and we have to know each other to do that. Today, anyone with a computer or a phone and an internet connection can be part of that conversation. And in Daria's experience, this is no less real or useful than traditional face-to-face -face forums. If even a musical performance can trickle through and translate through the internet, through the algorithms and get through to someone on the other side of the world and then, and then have them feel something, then I think a simple conversation is gonna work just fine. So, <laughs> I, so you, you guys are definitely, definitely uh, way ahead of your time. Um, and uh, now we're all, we're all catching up, unfortunately, because of, <laughs> of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hopefully it's, it's an opportunity to, to connect in this way. And, and, you know, I do think that even just recently, there've been, been some really great news, right? Like a lot of, a lot of reason to hope all the vaccines are looking good, kind of course correcting uh, to a better timeline, I think. Um, and, but it is interesting, you know, to see how people connect on the internet. And, you know, when we first started out, that was this kind of really naive young little corner of the internet that we discovered that was really, really sweet. And they were like, I didn't have any trouble with trolls or anything like that. And, you know, social media has gone through a lot of growing pains, but I have a lot of hope that the people who are, you know, leading that industry and then new people who are breaking into it are coming up with fresh ideas about how to redirect the energy back to something kind and back to something that's useful. And you see so many people talking about, you know, um, about gathering for good and for their own mental health and sharing the stuff that works for them. And, um, you know, I think 
as dark as stuff can get. I'm, I'm a humanist at heart. I really believe in us, you know, I'm proud to be an earthling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I, we're not like our namesake, Elon. Like, I don't want to go to Mars or I like it here. I think it's beautiful and I love it. Um, and I love all of you guys. And I, I, I do have high hopes for us, but it's, it's interesting also being, accidentally being ahead of your time in, in certain ways. And um, that actually led to like some future forecasting gigs and stuff like that. And I thought that was an interesting thing to talk about because even like in the intro to the podcast here, you mentioned that the way that we've been doing it, you know, that we're just gonna keep getting the same result. And the safest thing to do is to completely refresh our idea of what everything is and to think outside the box and come up with new solutions. And this idea of being able to invent something new, whether it's in your little community, like in the music community, like I like to think about, you know, or, or our little internet, you know, community, um, or, or in politics or in, you know, um, helping the environment, like whatever gets you excited. Um, I think I've learned through my own experience that it's very easy to believe there are big wigs and suits who know what they're doing and they're leading the charge and you have no business thinking that your little ideas that occur to you during the day mean anything. And I've been disproven and I keep being disproven and there's a lot of things that I want to tell you guys about that I can't talk about yet, but I've learned that I think that intuition, that that future forecasting isn't magic, it's a muscle. And so that's one of the things I'm excited to share with people now um, is that idea that if something, if you get a gut feeling about something, if you find a little vision popping into your head to write it down um, and to not just shoo it away and not think, oh, I'm nobody, nobody's ever going to care about this. You'd be surprised. Um, I have been in rooms and been like, this isn't a thing, is it? And then had people be like, whoa, that's the best thing we've heard about in this, in this idea, you know? So um, I think, yeah, to expand your awareness of what you think you are is also really important and recognize that you might be sitting on the idea that we all need right now um, in whatever it is that you think is exciting. Definitely. I wonder, I wonder, I mean, there's no way to to know this number, but I wonder how many people throughout history have just uh, kept these incredible ideas to themselves. Right. They didn't have the confidence to tell anyone. Right. Or you think it's impossible or you think, you know, whatever. And I, I mean, I have to say, basically everything good that's ever happened in my life has come from just being like, Oh, you know, screw it or whatever. And just cold calling deep sliding into someone's DMS, just giving it a shot. And, um, you know, maybe you don't hear back a hundred times, but the one time you do something clicks and something happens, but that fresh perspective, that not being from the place that everybody comes from, that not having the same mindset is the gold right now. That is the stuff that we need to mine and and polish up mm-hmm. and find those diamonds out there, you know, um, really, really, definitely. And I know, isn't that similar to your story that you, as astronauts go, the idea to go to space came to you a little bit later than it usually does, right? Wasn't that something that? No, it came to me when I was about seven, but. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you, you found your way. No, but but I lost the dream. I I I, oh. I uh, succumbed to uh, this you know false mindset that it was impossible to do, and that you know somebody like me couldn't possibly do it. You know, somebody wow. didn't have great grades, wasn't a genius. You know, uh, you know, yeah, di- you know, didn't have the right degrees. You know, you know, it, it was it was it was a long long path. Um, that 
required that I step outside of that fear, that step outside of that fear of an insecurity that, you know, I don't have what it takes. Right. Um, so kindred spirits, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, Seriously. You want to play another song? Sure. Well, I heard you. Uh, so, so you said you had a song that's a brand new song, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I thought this was cool because the first one's called Lift, the first song that we did. Um, this one's called Down to Earth. <laughs> so, so we go up, let me get back down. Um, and I just want to say hi to everyone who's here. Heather said she loved the first song. Thank you so much. Um, and Linda and Keith again. Yes. Awesome. Okay. I got everybody. And Suzanne um, and Andrew. There's, there's more. Yeah. So this, this song is called Down to Earth. And if you put on my reverb, I wasn't ready. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, this was one of the first ones that we wrote during the lockdown. There's a lot. There's a lot that's coming. Um, but yeah, are you gonna have a lockdown sorry, album? And I, oh, have, sorry, what? Are you gonna have a lockdown album, a quarantine album? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm, we're really excited about it. It's it's not called that. I don't know if I want to reveal the name just yet, but it's like a little cocoon that we've been in. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so um, this song is so much fun to play. <laughs> I, I really love it. And uh, I hope you guys love it too. It's, I don't know if I need to say anything. Bring your own, bring your own meaning to it. It's a little story that we made up. Um, yeah. Ready? Best of all worlds. 
Too soon with the call. No, I love it. Like the guy in the crowd, it's like, wow. Oh! Yeah, you know what's funny? Because mm. one of the things that that I love about your music is your miss. You you have so many misdirects in the lyrics and everything. Oh, yeah. So it's like you think it's going one way, and then also, so th this one really got me because I thought it was over. <laughs> Freak out. Yeah, you you got me there. You got me there. That was that was a good one. Thank you so much. That was um, that was beautiful. Let me let me um, let me pop up a question here from yeah. Ooh, hi. Uh, so so we talked about you know things to do during the quarantine to share humanity. Mm -hmm. So she's in the process of figuring out how to brew the perfect cup of Earl Grey. I love Earl Grey. <laughs> so, so send uh, tea leaves, and infuse it to friends around the country and share this perfect cup of tea with them uh, in late December as a way of nurturing our shared humanity. Hearing you play you play makes me want to add music to the quarantine event. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's awesome. That's, oh. a, that's a beautiful song. When is it when is it going to be out in public? I don't know. Soon, probably. Um, we're just starting to record everything that we've been working on. And it's actually cool because we're filming the process of recording, too, um, and turning that into a series. So all of yeah. that stuff is going to start dropping probably first thing in the new year. Um, probably little bits, you know, during the holidays and stuff. We're going to start doing a lot of live streams during the holidays too. Might even do like every day for a while because we just miss everybody. Um, but yeah, the new series is going to be called Unmastered. And I'm really excited about that because, um, you know, I think most people are starting to learn about masters, music masters and recording, you know, following like what's been going on with Taylor Swift, who I adore. And I think she's such a boss for, for figuring out how, trying to figure out how to get her masters back. You know, there's a lot of people talking about that and wanting to always bushwhack a different path. We never sold our music. We never signed to a regular label. We started a studio called Unlabeled. Um, and Unmastered to me is about everything that happens before that final you know, finished recording the master. Um, yep. But it's also a nod to the idea of there are really no masters. There are no experts, you know, when it comes to things that are as, as vast as music, even this, this, he's the closest that I, that I know to being, <laughs> but um, it's been really exciting to, to also take on that like documentary filmmaker eye and capture yep. these moments. And I'm excited to start sharing that with everybody. Cause um, I know we were talking about it the other day and I was saying, you know, when you're making cookies, you get the cookie scraps. So the cookie scraps taste just as good as the cookies. It's just people throw them out because they think they're the leftover bits. And um, I think the process- I've never thrown art, out cookie scraps. I know, right? How could you? <laughs> I think the process of making art 
um, or making anything really is fascinating. And I, yeah. I love all of the shows where they show you the behind the scenes of, of anybody mm -hmm. making anything. And so I wanted to share um, our weird and wonderful process of how we make stuff together. Um, so yeah, so that's all coming out soon. Um, and yeah, I'm so that's glad you liked it. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, Thank you. Let's let's talk about unlabeled for a second, and let me sure. let, let me set it up because yeah. we have two paths in front of us. We mm -hmm. have a, we have a path um, that I think would lead to the the future that we all want to be a part of, right? And mm -hmm. that that path is the path of shared humanity, of finding our, our common ground, of finding our shared humanity, of finding what we have what we have in common, um, and and participating in that. Mm -hmm. The other path leads to destruction. And that, that path is the path of, of increasing exponential divisiveness, right? And that comes from denying our shared humanity. And in some cases, you know, basically, you know, delegating folks beyond the level of human, right? Yeah. And the primary tool that's used to do that is labeling, right? Yeah. Is, is calling, is assigning a label to a person or to a group. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, that dehumanizes them, and then you can you can you know dismiss them, or you, it, it justifies anything you want to do, any any rudeness or anything that that you want to do. And so I love the story of why again with this redirect, right? So mm -hmm. it didn't dawn on me the deeper meaning of um, of the of your title unlabeled for your studio. I just thought it was kind of a poke at at big, big artists. It, it is, it is, but it's That's, more, yeah. Or, you know. No, no artist has just the literal meaning, right? There's always underlying metaphorical meanings underneath it. And I think um, you want to speak to that a little bit, the underlying meanings of what you mean by unlabeled and, and Absolutely. the power of that. Absolutely. We both, we both can. Um, it's, it's so yeah, the idea of unlabeled was originally a little, a little naughty jab at <laughs> the music industry and stay, you know, staying, independent, but even more, more expansive than independent. I want it to be this, this wonderfully inclusive idea of being unlabeled. But um, the thing that made me think like, okay, we have to make this the name, we have to stick with this is every time we talk about it, the meaning deepens for me every day. I feel like when we, we show up to work, um, I find something new that it means to me. And so that that's an incredibly inspiring inspiring driver um, to show up and try to, to, to dedicate to this idea more and more. And so um, basically what you said, you know, there's actually scientific proof behind this idea that our brains were formed in a way to keep us safe when we were, you know, Neanderthals or whatever, <laughs> early Homo sapiens. Um, and so our brains are trained, they're programmed, the original programming in there that we still have in there, even though we've added all sorts of cool stuff on top of it is, am I safe? Am I safe? What's that thing? Is that thing dangerous? Am I safe? Am I safe? Label, 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 figure out what it is, and then move on. And we haven't been able to kind of take that program out. Um, and so what we do is we walk through the world and we go, okay, I know that thing. That's a, that's, you know, that's a treat. Tree's okay, moving on. Okay, you're Ron, Ron's good, moving on. You know, oh, that's the thing that, you know, maybe that scares me, okay. You know, and what happens is the second we assign that label to something, we stop being fully present with it. And um, I'm paraphrasing Eckhart Tolle here in his beautiful book, um, A New Earth, where he talks about this example that you're walking through a forest, you see a tree, you think tree, now you're no longer present with the being of the tree. You don't know what this thing is. You're not experiencing it anymore. You're just walking right past it. And so we do that with everything. And so 
it's like a meditation. If you can challenge yourself to try to be fully non-judgmental, to actually not label stuff, you have to be present with it. And you have to now experience it with that sense of awe and wonder, bringing that, that to the moment that you're in or bringing it to the relationship, the person that you're with. And suddenly everything expands and becomes much more than you realized that it was. Um, even if it's looking at yourself and seeing yourself in that way, like I was talking about earlier, not thinking you know what you are already. Like, you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm a kid and now I'm a singer. I'm a singer songwriter, you know, but I never thought that I could do this or make films or, you know, work with big companies or whatever. And you, you have to just let all that stuff go. And it, expands into something so much greater. Um, so it's a really fun idea to play with and something that I'm, I feel like, you know, shouting from the rooftops so that everybody can give it a try. And it's really actually challenging. It's a cool thing to like, like set a timer for five minutes and see if you can even get through five minutes without labeling everything and now judging everything. And it's tricky. And can you get through a day, It'd be the greatest day you've ever had? You know, there's so much brain space that opens up when we turn that voice off, that then creativity through the roof, you know, your sense of empathy and, and joy goes through the roof. Um, it's a really cool little trick. Like while you're brewing your Earl Grey, give it a try. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add? Cause I know we, we came up with this thing together and I think it was you that originally said the word and I was like, Ooh, yes, that's well, I, it. I, I think, you know, what's interesting is that in order to be curious, you have to be able to not label something. In, in other words, just be open to what it is. So like if, for instance, if you're, if you're playing music, if you're, this is what I used to do when I talk about the ego, I would say, oh, is this cool? Is this hip? Has this ever been done before? These are all like labels that would stop me from allowing the information to be uh, experienced. And there's a, a, a saying that goes that the judgment is a weapon that we use to push miracles away from us. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I remember hearing the history of the world through Buckminster Fuller's. I don't know if you ever heard that. Of course. Yeah. And I was so struck with the way that he presented it was this, this, um, you know, iron was invented and you could do all these wonderful things with it. It was wonderful. Or you could make weapons, yeah. and, you know? So the idea of weapons was not really a priority. That was just something, a byproduct of this, but all the other possibilities. And I think if we actually looked at all the other possibilities without focusing on the negative uh, aspects of it, we could get closer to what you're talking about, what's possible. And one of the things that I do myself is that my practice is, uh, I have a thing where I practice is, is something uh, coming from love or is something covered from fear? So that could be like in attitude with somebody, or it could be in my attempt to create something to just have a, a way of, if I'm going to use a label, use the label that will benefit like what you're saying, seven mm. generations deep, mm. um, which is, I, I think what the native Americans used to, how they used to look at things, mm. uh, which I think is all forgotten. Th those are the, uh, I think that's the, the way that we could actually heal a lot of this stuff quickly. If people just, change the way that they talk to themselves. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, in order to, to learn anything or to create anything, it requires a certain level of humility. And mm. when we, and what that means is you can't learn anything if you are, if you already think you know the answers. Um, yeah. uh, you can't create anything if you're creating from the ego, right, is, is, is what you're saying. Yeah. And it, the moment that we label something or we label a motivation, 
Um, that mm-hmm. person is doing that because right. they're motivated by this. As soon as we do that, we we cut ourselves out from empathy. We cut ourselves out from understanding. We cut ourselves out from uh, problem solving. Uh, yeah. And go ahead. Oh no no. <laughs> no, I mean that that I, I think you know it's it's funny. Um, not everybody knows this, but we uh, almost every episode of of the Orbital Perspective podcast, when the one hour um, uh, live uh, episode is is completed, we do it. We we stay on. We go off the air, but we we continue for another half hour, and mm-hmm. we always we always. A topic emerges during the one-hour conversation that we want to go much deeper into, and I think yeah. we just—I think we just stumbled upon. <laughs> yeah, before the show is over, you know, if anybody is is digging this kind of thing, I mean, definitely read Ron's book and get excited for for his new thing that's dropping because we got a sneak peek and it's amazing. But uh, another book that comes to mind—I don't know if you're familiar with—there's uh, a guy named Michael Singer who wrote a book called. Um, the surrender experiment. And it's about his life um, discovering meditation and then having this completely bananas life when he tries out this experiment of just surrendering to what it seems like life is suggesting to him. Um, And he ends up being like this giant, like CEO of a software company and all of this stuff when all he wanted to do was sit in the woods and meditate. Um, But one of the things that he talks about that I, I think about you actually, when I think about it is if you're having a tough day or there's a phone call or you get an email and you have like, like, flight or fight response from like a stupid email and you're, why am I so stressed out? You think, okay, I'm on a spinning planet in a vastness of space. (laughs) Like um, this moment took 8.7 billion years to get to me. Who am I to say this isn't the way it's supposed to be? Like, just take that off your shoulders, relax. That's that unmastered thing, right? It's like, for me, it's such a relief to be like, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing and just let go. And then suddenly you can just, okay, now I'm present. Now I can, now I can let go and just enjoy it and learn. Um, so yeah, everybody can use that. If you're having a stressful yeah. day, be like, I'm sitting on a spinning marble in the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> well, Everything's I, fine. I mean, I talk about that in my, in the new book, Floating in Darkness. I, I say yeah. that I, uh, I try to wake up every morning with an orbital perspective, which means I wake up every morning in bed, but I also wake up on a planet. Yeah. So, so on the surface exactly. of the planet. So, which is, which is basically what you're saying there. Yeah. Before we go, I, I asked our fans on our social channels, if they had any questions, maybe we can sneak in one for you. Um, there was someone named, I wrote it down, uh, conversing with oceans, cool name, um, said, how do you view life differently from someone who hasn't been to space? It's kind of a big question, but maybe you could give us a little nugget that we can all take away and hold in our hearts this week. I, I don't know that I do. I hope I hope that I don't because you know mm. part of the reason why Daria and Ram, you guys are in the, the orbital perspective is one of the main tenets of the book, The Orbital Perspective, is that you don't have to be in orbit to have an orbital perspective. Yeah. So all you need to do is have that light bulb come on over your head that mm-hmm. I, I am I am part of something bigger than myself. <laughs> that, That's such a great answer. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. That's awesome. Some, some people who are not that you know not. Uh, <laughs> you know, mental, mentally, so, some people who are not, uh, who, who need extra nudges, let's say, uh, have to get launched into space on million pounds of explosives to get that experience. Get on, everybody get on board. Most, on board. most people, most, most people, most people don't need that, uh, that, mm-hmm. that uh, abrupt of an experience uh, to, to realize that. Um, and, you know, just not, not, I'm not trying to plug a book, but, but 
the, do I'm, it. Really excited, I'm really excited about the messages in the book. And, and one of the one of the tenets of the new book, Flowing in Darkness, is that we we're on a well, the subtitle is a journey of evolution, right? And so we are on a journey of evolution. And the first giant leap of evolution, I believe, for our species was when we evolved to the point where we could self-reflect. Well, we realized that, you know, who we were, where we were, you know, we could project our, our thoughts backwards and forwards in time. We could predict, you know, make estimates on what, what the future would look like and, and things like that. We, and I equate that to, to the first inhale of, of evolution, right? And mm -hmm. when we inhale, we become, we take in. We, so, but you can only inhale for so long until you have to exhale. And it's, and it's time to exhale. And by exhaling, we are going to make the next giant leap of, of human ev evolution. And when you exhale, you let go, you give up of yourself, right? You give back. And so the next giant leap of evolution is to realize that the self that you are self-reflecting on is not just an individual, but part of mm -hmm. a, a larger cosmic journey that we're all a part of. Um, now, I have space goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's, it's actually crazy because, you know, we we just heard about this about your new book this morning um and got to see a little sneak peek of, of what you have coming for people and you talked about this beautiful concept and we have a song that we wrote years ago that starts uh darkness takes a deep breath and opens up its eyes to the world and the starlight streaming across the sky was a big bang when you knocked on my door you know and it goes on but like that that is so so yeah, i stole i stole that i plagiarized that no 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 <laughs> but you did the same fake out in in the in the book i don't want to give anything away but yeah. but that that fake out of like i thought you were talking about the big bang and then you were talking about an individual but you're talking about both and it was so metaphorical and so beautiful and if anyone's read ron's first book i was telling him he has made like the artistic beyonce leap of like ron is beyonce now like he's he's gone like fully so artistic and so cool and jumped into a completely new expanded way of explaining this that i think um i think the added artistry and metaphor is going to really capture people's imagination and help them step into that perspective with you so i can't wait to read the rest of it well, thank, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, uh, I don't know what to do with the Beyonce line, though, but uh, <laughs> you enjoy it. <laughs> you live it. <laughs> well, we're out of time for the for the live portion of this. And so Daria and Rama, just thank you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing, for the beauty that you're putting out into the world. Um, for everything that you do and for being our friend yeah. and for being here to guide all of us. We're so, so honored. And thank you, everyone watching. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> where, can, where can people find out more about on um, label studios on, on master and about how, where can yeah. they get your music um all of it you can find everything maybe the easiest thing to do is you can go to unlabeled.studio is the website which is cool and then on socials i'm daria musk everywhere so we're going to be doing lots of lives on instagram um we're on tiktok now um we're on youtube so just search my name it's right there there it is. <laughs> Hello. Um, that is me. And he's always with me. So yeah, you'll find both of us um, on all the socials. And if you want to learn more about the studio and the work we do um, with filmmaking and scoring and all the other cool, crazy stuff that we do, that's at unlabeled.studio. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Ram, Daria, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to take a break next week for Thanksgiving. So we won't be here uh, next week, but we'll come back the week after. And uh, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody uh, when we're back. So take care, everybody. Bye, guys.
Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. Thank you.